Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. And welcome back to the show. Well, let's face it. You know, there are how many billion people on this planet? Seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. It's a lot of people. But some of us are more outstanding than others. I know that that's not in vogue to say. Okay, I know that. And I know that, you know, we live in a world where we believe in equality, but the truth is we all want equality of opportunity. It doesn't mean equality of outcome. The woman that I'm about to talk with is really, she's a superior person. She's very, very bright. She's very, very hardworking. She really is in this world attempting with her time and talents to make a difference in terms of advancing human knowledge. And she's a marvelous writer. And she's written a book called Starstruck, a memoir of astrophysics and finding light in the dark. Her name is Serafina Elbadre Nance. Serafina, hello, and welcome to the Lisa Wexa Show today. Hi. Hey, Lisa. Thank you so much for the incredibly kind intro. I am so honored. Well, you know, you share a publisher with me. You went with Penguin Dutton, and they published our book, Secrets of a Jewish Mother, about 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Yes. Amazing. They're the Amazing, best. Right? I love their team. And, 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 what, yes. and what a team. Congrats to you, because I know you had to run the gauntlet to get the book published. And I congratulate mm-hmm. you. And also on the quality oh. of the writing. Your voice comes right out. We know who you are right from the beginning. I am so flattered. Thank you so much. It was such a joy to work with them. And I'm so excited to be talking about it with another Dutton author. Yes. So, okay. So may I call you Sarafina? Is that, is that okay? Because I could call you doctor. Absolutely. That would also be your title. That would be good. Sarafina is perfect. Sarafina, what a beautiful name. So, Serafina, I I want you to tell us a little bit in your own words, a little bit about this first chapter, The Motion of Celestial Objects, because Mm. I just love, I just love that you start with the facts, the grounded reality of where we are in the universe. Where are we in the universe, Serafina? So, we are on a planet called Earth, 
that is the third planet away from the sun in our solar system. And that solar system is part of a galaxy called the Milky Way. And that galaxy is part of many other galaxies in a galaxy cluster called the local group. And that galaxy cluster is part of many other galaxy clusters. And so you sort of leapfrog out and out and out until you reach the bounds of our universe. And it's such an extraordinary thing that really the mind cannot comprehend, right? I mean, you have to forgive us, (laughs) Serafina, but we really cannot comprehend. (laughs) And, And we also cannot comprehend or quite believe that this confluence of factors in the universe makes us unique as a place to have created intelligent life. And I'll put intelligent in quotes, but intelligent life, right? It, it, if, if, we're, if we really are one of a tiny, almost infinite amount of potential planets in this world, then how is it possible that we are the only people walking around? Yeah, I think that's a question that many astronomers uh, ask and are devoted to trying to solve. I think if you ask an astronomer, more than likely you'll get the answer that we are, it's very unlikely that we are the only life in the universe. The question is, what type of life does that look like? And will we ever, ever be able to find it? And so many of us are, are really, our careers are devoted to sort of seeking that elsewhere. But it's a big universe, so I hope we find it. You know, uh, I heard over the weekend that NASA is actually asking people now to not be afraid of the stigma of seeing unidentified flying objects, that they want to collect this information. Have you been hearing about this? I haven't, but, you know, I think science is best done when we all, you know, I think even, you know, not people in academia, so I think colloquially called citizen scientists, take part and, and, and contribute to this research knowledge base. And from there, we can start to analyze it and figure out what we're seeing. So, you know, I think some of the best astronomy, truth be told, is done by amateur astronomers who find objects that are, you know, maybe not previously seen and then we get to study them and figure out what they're all about. So, Sarafina Elbadri Nance, in your book, right away, as you're telling us about our place in the solar system, you're also telling us about your place as a human growing up with your heritage. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the format of the book is felt really interesting and important to me. So at the same time as I trace the evolution of the universe, I also trace my own internal evolution into becoming a scientist, but also just getting to know myself and coming home to myself. So I grew up in suburban Austin, Texas, uh, to the daughter of a first-generation Egyptian immigrant. And we grew up in a post 9-11. I grew up in a post-9-11 world. And that deeply shaped me and the way that I, you know, move through the world and view myself. And so it was really important for me to write about that and to think deeply about what identity means and how that has shaped, you know, the ways that I have been able to pursue my dreams and, and what that those challenges have been like. Well, I will tell you, we're chatting with Serafina Albadri Nance, the book Starstruck. What was interesting to me is your parents choose to send you to a 
I'm, I'm, it seems like a Christian school, and it has a very mm-hmm. definite point of view. Um, and you don't say in that first chapter whether you're practicing Muslims, non-practicing Muslims, or whatever. But you get offended by the song Let My People Go with Pharaoh of the Ancient Lands. And it doesn't go over very well. And you're a little girl. <laughs> and it doesn't go over very well with your supervising principal there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Let My People Go, it's interesting. I was thinking back to that, of course, that memory as I was writing it. And, you know, I feel so at home in Egypt. You know, I view Egypt as as my home, even though I didn't grow up there. And I have so much family over there. And the way that it is depicted in that song, but also I think, you know, in other parts of life, that's just an example of it, is very, very different than the way that I view Egypt, which is a a very loving place, a very historically beautiful, fascinating um, place that really shaped so much of human civilization for thousands of years. Um, And I think that song was was an example of how it, it, it can be pejorative and it can really, it made me feel very other and not welcome and not like I didn't belong. And so, you know, my, the reason I included it is because it was the first time that I really remember thinking that my heritage made me feel or be different from the people that I was around. So when you come home and you explain that to your parents or that conversation is around the dinner table, do they rethink their decision to send you to that kind of a school? You know, I think it was very important to them that I attend an academically rigorous school, which St. Andrews certainly was. I think it was more of an exercise in them stepping in and, you know, being parents and talking through what they perceive to be true or not true about what the minister said and, and, having more of a hand in my education and in my identity and in making sure that I feel like I belong, even though, you know, at chapel, I felt like I didn't. So I'm very lucky that my parents really carried that, that, um, you know, burden and helped me, you know, feel closer to them, even though I felt a little bit further away from my peers. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm always interested, as an astrophysicist, who you are, a woman of science, I'm always interested in whether or not someone like you has your own personal belief 
in some kind of a force beyond which we can see. Do you believe that there is some kind of a, a dynamic, a force, God? Um, do you have any sort of internal, I don't know, spiritual set of beliefs, whether they adhere to a traditional religion or not, that makes you feel like there's something other than what we can definitively pinpoint? I believe that we don't understand a lot about the universe. And while I don't know if there is a God or, you know, some greater force at work, I do know that, you know, scientists are working every single day to try to chip away at the things we don't know and form a a coherent picture of what we do know. And I get a lot of comfort and meaning and, Um, grounding in that process. So I don't think that, um, you know, the existence of a God, for example, is, is dichotomous from science. I think both can be true. I know many scientists who are religious. I personally am not, but I do believe that we don't know a lot of things and, and that's why it's exciting. That's why it's cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting in listening to you. We're chatting with Serafina Elbadre Nance, and the book is called Starstruck, a memoir of astrophysics and finding light in the dark. What's really interesting is the word no, because I have had so many people on my show who have attested to experiences, you know, paranormal kinds of things. <clears throat> and, you know, they're not, they're not otherwise psychotic that anybody can see, right? They haven't lost touch with reality as we know it. <laughs> And they can attest to um, either having access as messengers to some kind of other spiritual realm or just, you know, having had experiences as a human that they can't otherwise explain, but they know to be true. And so it's always interesting to me about what we say we know, because there are a lot Mm. of people that would argue that we already know a lot. We're just unwilling to admit because it's a little scary and it and it makes us walk into the unknown, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, anyone who claims that we know everything, I think is sort of missing the point. But, you know, I write about this in the book, we only know 4% of everything in the universe, dark energy and dark matter make up 96% of everything else. And we don't know what those are. So anyone who claims that we know everything is sort of it's, it's sort of like a non-starter because we don't know everything. And that's why science exists. That's why we come up with hypotheses. We look at, at evidence and then we try to draw some sort of conclusion from that. And we move forward time and time again to try to build a picture that makes sense and that, you know, stands up against different ways of, of sort of trying to permeate it. So, you know, I think that there's a lot out there that we don't understand and we don't know, but that science is a tool that we can use to, to, to get there. What's, what's right now in the universe that we should know is happening in terms of what we're trying to explore and discover right now? What's happening out there that, you know, we humans, whether we're Chinese, Russian, American, or some combination of whoever, have just shot out into the atmosphere that are exploring? What's happening? Hmm. Well, you know, my research is basically trying to determine how fast the universe is expanding. Um, 
a couple decades ago, we learned that not only is the universe expanding, but it's accelerating due to this mysterious force called dark energy. And what's interesting is that we don't quite understand what the rate of that expansion is. And that will impact things like the composition of the universe, the very like standard model of physics that we use to do all of our science might be impacted by this. So it's a, it's a, almost a, a very fundamental question about our universe that I'm trying to solve um, as long as, along with many other people. Um, so that's one of the things. I mean, we are, we are curious about the origin of the universe, the fate of the universe, the composition of the universe, where we're going, are we alone? How did we get here? Um, and these are sort of, I think, questions that are intrinsic to the human condition. They're, they're, they're intrinsic to who we are and, and how we can make meaning in our lives. And I think, you know, that's what a lot of this book is about. I know. It's a marvelous book. And I, I, I can't get my head around a universe expanding to begin with because I don't even <laughs> understand it. Like, it's sort of like something from nothing thing, <laughs> right? How can there be something from nothing? Like my brain, I'm, it's not a big enough brain. I can't quite understand it. I, mean, I, mean it. <laughs> well, I think, honestly, I, I, I think most astronomers and physicists, we sort of have to let go of the idea that we're fully going to understand these things. I mean, they are uncomfortable and you just kind of have to go along with it and say, okay, that's what the math says. Well, what does that mean? And the more you interact with it, the more it sort of settles in, but it, it, it's hard. I don't blame you. And so Serafina, are you still as a woman and having come up obviously with a huge math and science background and affinity and training, do you find that you are in the minority of astrophysicists in terms of your gender? And do you feel that there's a specific educational reason for that? I, I mean, women are absolutely um, underrepresented in physics and in astronomy. Um, it is, it, it's very isolating to be a woman, especially a woman of color in a field that, you know, historically wasn't built for people like me. Um, but I think, you know, what ends up happening is that young girls are so excited and interested in math and science, but they're told over and over again, explicitly and implicitly that they don't belong and that math and science isn't for them. And ultimately, you know, what we need to do is change that. We, we need to, you know, make science more accessible, more equitable, and, and, you know, a place where people with all different backgrounds and identities will feel like they belong. And that's a task that those who are already in the field need to commit themselves to. Yeah, I will just say for years, for about seven years, I, I hosted and helped establish something called the Accord of Scientific Excellence Award, which was an award given to high-achieving high schoolers in our region, in Westchester and Fairfield mm -hmm. County. Um, and, the, and the award was being able to speak about their research for half an hour on the radio. That was the award. They got a plaque and stuff. But the basic thing that distinguished this award was that we wanted people, young, excited high school researchers, to talk about their research. And I just have mm -hmm. to say, Serafina, and you'll be pleased to hear this, the majority of the winners were girls. They were young women. 
And they were people of color, first-generation immigrants, largely from India and Asian countries. And that's who won. Incredible. Yeah. They kept winning and winning and winning. That's amazing. And at one point, I looked up and I said, do we have any boys? Because it was like, you know, it Mm -hmm. was a little bit the other way. So some places are doing something right. But I hear what you're saying. It's a big country. And the statistics show that women in general fall off of the STEM achievement right around what seven, eighth, ninth grade. They just—it's like exactly, a yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's when those those messaging and and you know stereotype threat, all of these sort of forces come together and make you know a young woman feel like she's not cut out for it, and ultimately she'll try something else which is completely fine. But that's not to say that your dream should be dictated by other people. Only you should get to decide what you want to do. Well, I want to thank you, Serafina, for writing this beautiful book. It's called Starstruck. I loved it. A memoir of astrophysics and finding light in the dark. Serafina Elbadre Nance. It's, a, it's an inspirational, involving book. You'll learn something if you read the book because you'll learn about the celestial objects and one woman's journey to exploration and through exploration. I want to thank you for coming on the show today, and good luck. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate it. Me too. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com. 